welcome to the new podcast. My name is Johnny Luke and this is The Ramblings of a Saint. Now, I've called it that because if you follow me on Twitter, JohnLuke13, that's if you don't, because go follow away. Don't be scared. I do like a good little rant about everything to do with rugby league, mainly because I'm an English rugby league fan and the sport's run by incompetent arseholes. Yep. That's it. That's essentially it. I'm fed up of it. So, let's go. <laughs> nah, but uh, in all seriousness, it's just... I have so much passion for this sport, like a lot of people do. And seeing it being run by people who care about themselves and their own self-interests, it makes me upset. Um, there's a lot of people, especially in England, that like the idea of the nicheness of rugby league and the fact that, oh, you know, it's our sport, you know, it's it's ours, whereas I want to see it on the big stage. I want to see every single person in the world enjoying rugby league for what it is. You know, I, I believe we've got the greatest product of any sport at all. And the fact that we somehow can't grow it outside of Australia and Northern England on the grand scheme. Obviously, it's a slow progress. It, it baffles me. And this is why this tournament, this World Cup tournament that we're currently in, is so make or break for us. I mean, you've got teams like Lebanon, obviously very Australian-based and heritage players, but got teams like Lebanon, teams like Jamaica, you know, the, Jamaica are history makers. They scored the first points ever in a World Cup for Rugby League. This is a, and obviously yesterday on the 22nd, they scored the first ever try in a World Cup. This isn't, this is a remarkable tournament and I feel like it's being let down by those that have run it. Um off-field especially, you know, a lot of the ticket venues, uh, a lot of the venues for the game, sorry, have been not great. I don't think they've selected well. I think they've flooded the market, especially up north. I know you say, all oh, the Heartlands, it's where everyone watches, everyone watches rugby league here. You know, it's, it's, it's the sport, of, it's, it's the northern heart. Whereas really, I mean, you look at the Coventry game, there was 10,000 there. That's in an expansion zone in the Midlands. And it's sort of, it's really highlighted. Like The attendances there was over 10,000. Now you look at that, there's only really the Saints game, Tonga PNG, that matched it. All the others have been nearly half of that. Most of that's due to ticket prices. But also if you pump the market full like there's nowhere else for people to go people aren't going to come from south wales to go watch wales in lee are they and that's the population density a lot of people in wales will go watch wales no matter what whether it's rugby league rugby union football they'll go because it's the support in their their country and the fact that they're playing i think it's lee doncaster and i can't remember the other place but they're all in the northwest northwest you know, northern 
Northwestern uh, Yorkshire as well. So it's sort of it, it's frustrating to see that. It really is for me because you could grow the game so much with this World Cup. You could put games in Bristol and you know you can give out to local community clubs. You can put games in London and have and invite younger communities, a younger population with the parents. You can get new people interested in the sport. And it's just like, it's like they haven't tried. It's like they've gone, right, we need to flood the market, get as much money out of the northern population where, where they'll, they'll go and watch the game. Whereas the Coventry game proven that there is a market elsewhere. Like there was community clubs having tickets, discounted tickets in order to get them there. So they can do it, they've just chosen not to do it. That's my first gripe is the venue actual locations because obviously other than the Emirates I think there's nothing outside of I think Emirates Coventry and the rest is like Northern England so and even Coventry is like Midlands but it's a great expansion team in the Midlands Hurricanes and obviously which used to be Coventry Bears they're still going and it's like come on you, you could have easily decided in 2017 that you were going to spread the game but you haven't I mean, I know a couple of venues got double booked from when it got cancelled and they had to rearrange and change, but there's other stadiums. Like, it's not just, you know, oh, Anfield got cancelled, well, let's stick the quarterfinal at the DW then. No, don't do that. That could have been a great one for the Rico Arena. And then you've got Bramall Lane with England against Greece. I don't know how ticket sales have gone for that. Apparently, they're all bloody... The, the very limited capacity of tickets left according to the Rugby League World Cup website and I just can't see it. I really can't. I can't see that stadium being full for England versus Greece. I mean, if they couldn't sell out the, the uh, what's it called now? I was going to say Reebok, but the University of Bolton Stadium for the, the England-France game. If they can't do that, they can't do Bramall Lane. For an opponent that really is, is is an amateur one, other than a few obviously Queensland, the Aussie contingents that are there, like, but that's another story that's remarkable. On field and off field, Greece, this is the their first tournament of being a legal sport. Like it was banned. For I can't remember how many years it was, but up until three or four months ago, it was banned to be played, like professionally, in Greece, and amateur, I believe. Like games have to be played in secret, in order for them to enjoy the sport, and it's like it's remarkable. They they managed to qualify. They managed to get into a World Cup, and now they're playing in a World Cup. When it's finally been legalised, this could be a, a new birth for rugby league in Europe. It's another place that can play out in the open. It's another place that can grow as a sport. It's obviously got a lot of on, uh, heritage players from Australia and the Queensland and New South Wales Cup. A couple of NRL players in like Lachlan Ilias. So it's it's exciting times for a lot of them countries. A lot of a lot of growing. Can be done, especially in Europe, 
but that spoke to the international rugby league after this tournament to sort of pick up on. Obviously, we had the game, a couple of games between Germany and the Netherlands. They went down well as far as I've seen on Twitter. Obviously, I didn't go, so I can't really say exactly how they went, but hearing things on Twitter and on a couple of podcasts that I listened to, it sounded like it, it went down a, a roaring success. So hopefully we can develop that and grow the European competition. What I'd like to see, to be honest, my ideal World Cup and international tournament would be, the World Cup would be every three years. So in between that, you have a kind of, either like a, a you have a Pacific test and you have a European test in one year. So the Pacific nations play each other in sort of a tournament, kind of like a Six Nations kind of thing between the Pacific tests. And then you have a Euros type competition with eight to ten teams, if we can obviously raise the funds for it. So we can have, you know, we can have like Greece, Scotland, even though, you know, they haven't they haven't exactly been great this tournament. Um, England, Ireland, Wales, France, the Netherlands, Germany, Spain, and you know Serbia or a couple of the Balkan teams maybe, and then grow from there. Maybe start off with eight teams, grow to ten, then to twelve, and then sort of see how that goes over the next what thirty years, say. If we can hopefully finance that, and then the second year I'd have either an Ashes tour, and then obviously like um, a Fiji PNG sort of Ashes type test, and then a Tonga New Zealand one, and then you know maybe a couple of the European nations like Germany and the Netherlands did, maybe have some of them as well, and sort of have that year as like like a competition to um, buy to fill the gap basically and sort of keep it nice friendly competition um, even with like the Euros competition if, if you feel England's too good you could play the England Knights but I feel like that would be detrimental because you kind of want your better teams in there to kind of grow grow the wanting to do better sort of the achievement that other teams want to go to so that that would be my ideal system and then the world cup in the third year and um, if you stick with a four-year system you could maybe throw in a you know a, a four nations but to be honest i'd like i'd like a four nations series in england to be done mid-season kind of like mid-season tests same with australia having rep rep round as they called it last year and having England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales incorporated into a little mini tournament going on throughout the season, having weeks off rather than the, the Exiles or Combined Nations All-Stars franchise that we've had previously. Because not only will that benefit England for preparation for the World Cups and international comps, You'll also have the development of Scotland improving, the development of Ireland improving, and the development of Wales drastically improving. And then hopefully you'll have a lot of 
heritage players wanting to play for Wales even more now, or, or Scotland or Ireland, and it will then develop the game massively. And another rule I'd like to see incorporated, especially with the, you know, the new heritage laws, to kind of grow the development of these countries like Jamaica, Greece, Spain, etc. I'd, I'd really like there to be a minimum domestic player sort of limit, so a minimum limit, and have, say, a minimum of five or seven players that have to be from your domestic competition. If you if they've got one, if not, you know, sort of actually physically living in them countries. So the likes of Jamaica obviously had two this year. I'd quite like to see a couple more. And then if they're mixing in with the pros that we have, like your um, like your Lachlan Iliases of uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs, if they're then mixing in with them. They're drastically improving because they're learning off them players. It's like Italy. I think Italy have eight from their domestic comp in this current World Cup. I think it's eight. Um, and like that will only improve them as players and then they can go back to their domestic comp and they can help improve other players. So, you know, it's it's a real a real thing that they could do to improve the advancement for these areas so you know I feel like that is where the World Cup sort of sequence and where the international game could really flourish um, other ways it could flourish is obviously getting people in the stadiums like I said before about the off-field venues and sort of the, the pickings of the venues I think France 2025 will be a big telling on how good they could potentially make it i believe that you know spreading the game around france will help that massively obviously that was another country that you know it used to be banned in after i think the second world war so well it used to be popular than rugby union and then those in charge didn't like it so they went to the you know governing bodies and eventually managed to get get rugby league banned from being played in <coughs> in France so I believe you know I believe it could be a real big tell on crowd numbers especially how much it could grow the game and France would be a good benchmark for that because England have messed up big time with these venues and I'm, I'm not really impressed with it I'm not you know I'm not happy with it I believe Coventry was a great venue to pick I believe it should have had that quarter final potentially and yeah, just a bit disappointed with that. But another big disappointment, of course, has been ticket sales. Seeing half empty em empty stadiums, which even the commentary game, there's 10,000 there, but I think it's a near 30,000 seat stadium. So you're going to have lots of gaps, lots of... It didn't look great on telly, put it that way. And there's a lot of venues like that at the minute. That's one big stadium having a odd height crowd number to then having like Saints as well that's an 18,000 seat I think they just added just over 10 I know it's a Tuesday night but is that an excuse the, the ticket sales have been a farce they've been fans have been lied to there was that at Saints where the um, 
the two corners, the cheap seat tickets were up until kickoff empty, and then even more empty when everyone moved seats to the more expensive seats because, like the RFL said something after, uh, sorry, not the RFL, the Rugby League World Cup committee after said that there was going to be some the media booked it out. The media booked it out. And they wanted some scaffolding there or something, so we just, you know, we didn't sell them, so we had to put them as sold out. That's a load of bollocks. It is, because there was still the odd person sat there, so if they had to make it sold out, then them odd people wouldn't have been sat there in their normal spot, would they? I feel like the bullshit that they're coming out with is not good for the fans, it's not good for the sport, it's not good for anyone. And they're really treating fans... As idiots, they're really, they sort of got, they're very naive, the rugby league fans. They think, they think they can just tell them any old bullshit and they'll believe it. And it's sad that our governing bodies, the people in charge of these things, believe that. It really is. Because there's no other way that, that they can sort of think any other way. Because why would they? Why would they say that if they didn't think you would just believe it? Luckily, there's a lot of people on Twitter that don't, but a lot of the rugby league journalists are plugging this message. Martin Sadler, to name but one. He's um, The moment he retires is the moment the sport can grow. And that is a fact in England. He's a dinosaur. There's no other way to say it. No other way. The ticket prices have been too expensive. Way too expensive. I mean, who's going to pay 80 quid for a seat at Saints when, let's face it, they're going to use Super League as a benchmark and them same seats are 25, 26 quid? They're not going to pay it. No one's going to pay it. They're going to buy the cheaper seats and move. And if you're selling them out, they're just not going to buy a ticket. And that's why we're getting empty stadiums. It's the basics. And Rugby League can't do the basics right. They've gone for profit. And the immediate profit, rather than going for both, the growing of the game. The, every single game is on BBC. Every single game is on television, iPlayer. And you're going to have a neutral fan or someone that doesn't particularly like rugby league tuning in and going, why are they playing to a crowd less than a Sunday league game? Or, or about the same as, you know a League 2 football club's attendance why are they going to sit there and go oh yeah this is a great sport they're not they're not at all and you're not going to gain any of their new fans at all because it'll take one look and they'll go oh, sod this and turn off it's very short sighted from both the RFL and Rugby League World Cup committee because people say, oh, you can't blame the the RFL, you can't blame them. Of course you can. They made up the committee. They made them up, they gave them the places, and then they sign everything off when they give their recommendations and what everything should be. The RFL are 100% part of the problem. They could have said, oh, do you not think, do you not think it's a bit too much? And then they'll give reasons of, oh, we want to maximise profit. You know what? If, if you sold them 40 quid seats... For 20 quid, I bet you would get double the amount of people in most of them stadiums. 
and that's a fact. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy for the England games to be a bit more higher priced, but come on. I mean, who's going to pay 40, 60, 80 quid to go watch Lebanon and Wales? Who's going to go and pay 80 quid for the Australia-Scotland game? Even the best team in the world, no one's going to pay that to go see them in a group stage game. If it was a quarter-final, semi-final, final, yeah. Yeah, they probably would. Not a group stage. Not a group stage. Like the Lebanon-New Zealand game. People were shocked at that crowd there. I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I said it on our group chats. I was like, what did you expect? Who's going to pay 80 quid on a Tuesday night? At Warrington, to, uh, Monday night was it, to go see Lebanon, New Zealand. And it's it's just disappointing. Everything about it, they're overpricing. It's just, it's mental. So, that's all we can say really. That's all we can say on the ticket prices. It's been a shambles from start to finish. So yeah. And another thing about the World Cup. Another drastic kick in the teeth for it is the fact that Ralph Rimmer is still the head of the RFL. Pre-tournament, he made a racist joke about one of the competing nations. Said that he's surprised they weren't all arrested when they came off the plane because they were one of the first teams over here. Now I don't know if he meant if he meant it because they were, you know, NRL players always getting into trouble. Or whether it's got a bit more to it than that. And I believe it potentially has got a bit more to do with that. It's naive from him. I mean, he's saying this on a public area, a public platform. And it's like what the... Um, it's like what, what anyone says. If they're saying it out in public, what are they saying behind closed doors? You know, he was happy to make that joke. And the RFL chair did nothing about it. They did nothing about it. They they had the easiest decision to make. Get rid of him. He was leaving. He's leaving in a month's time. Get rid of him before the tournament starts. Bang, done. And yet, yet again, yet again, we have that message before the game. You know, rugby league is a family sport. No foul, abusive or racist language will be tolerated within the stadium. Obviously it can be. Obviously you can say what you want as a rugby league fan. Oh no, no, you can't as a fan. But you can if you are in charge of our sport. In charge of representing rugby league to a wider audience. In charge of welcoming the nations of a World Cup from different backgrounds. You can say whatever you want, but not a fan. No one should be able to say that. No one at all should be able to say that. No one at all should be able to think that. Because it's not how society works. We are all human beings. And yet we have that message before the game that is being contradicted so much by the RFL. So much. You had the RFL publishing the Eddie Hemmings interview, for example, where... 
him and Sean Wayne, our England coach, saying that Dominic Young isn't as English as you or I. Why is that? Why is he not? Because he can represent Jamaica, because his grandma came over from Jamaica during the Windrush. Is that why? You know, he's, he's as English as anyone. Just because he's got a different coloured skin, just because he's different in a sense of appearance, doesn't make him any less British than me or you, Eddie. Doesn't. And the fact that the RFL published that without even... Well, they must have listened to it. I mean, come on. It's just mental. Because systemic racism in rugby league has been proven time and time again. And yet we keep getting this message, keep wasting our time. Because those in charge don't believe it. They don't believe it. This tackle it campaign has been a farce now. It hasn't been a farce. It's been one of the best things that they could potentially do. But it's been made a farce because of the RFL's antics. Because the, the bloke who was leaving anyway made a racist joke. And the people who were still there decided, oh yeah, he's not really got a case to answer for. He's apologised, that's it. Therefore, accepting that racism is fine in rugby league. It's not. It's not fine in any part of society at all. It's disgusting. We're all human beings. We're all different in our own way, but we are all exactly the same. If you stuck a knife in someone, they'd still bleed the same way you would. We are all the same. We all live, we all die, and we all should be happy with the way we are. And the way everyone is. So that has really, really wagged me off. They either scrap that message or they scrap them. Scrap Ralph. And they haven't done that. So they may as well scrap the message because all it does is waste time. It wastes everyone's time. And that's the thing. It should never have wasted time. It should cause debate. And instead the RFL have made it not cause debate and made it watered down and it's really quite sad and that's the state of rugby league at the minute so hopefully we can sort this out we can move on once Ralph Grimm has gone we can really focus on with the new person in hopefully it's not John Dutton um, after the current situation that we're seeing ourselves in at the World Cup because he's lying He's lied to a lot of us. He's the marking out the cheaper tickets are sold out when really they're not. You know, they're, they're taking us for mugs and I think it's time rugby league fans can step up. And hopefully we do. Hopefully we really do. So yeah. So that's sort of how we wanted to go. We talked about the on-field stuff and off-field stuff of the current World Cup. And we're getting on a little bit. So this has been the first episode of The Ramblings of a Saint. And now I think you know exactly why I've called it that. I like a good ramble. So, hope you've enjoyed listening. That's that. Sort of sad it was a bit on a, a bum message. But, you know, just remember, 
love everyone and yeah keep fighting the good fight this has been johnny lou you can find me on twitter john lou 13 and yeah thanks very much for listening and see you on episode two where we'll talk more about the good the bad and the ugly of rugby league in england and abroad thank you very much to that